What is up, Gator Nation, and welcome into the Gators Online Podcast. It has officially started with Nick Del Torre and I. We're happy to be joining you guys live from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. We're going to be here each and every Thursday to discuss spring ball, to discuss Gator baseball, and everything else that's going on with UF Sports. This has been kind of weeks, months planning, Nick, and we have uh, finally kicked it off, man. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's really cool. I think uh, we're excited to do a live podcast where you guys can come out and and watch it, interact with us. Uh, and then when the fall happens, when the fall gets going, uh, Billy Napier will be here right after our show to do his talk every week. So uh, we're excited to do it live. I think that's going to be a little different than, you know, even the podcast that I'm already on and, sure. and other podcasts covering the Gators. So uh, bring a little live element to it. And hey, maybe we'll have some guests and uh, you guys can meet some former Gators and some people that we have on the show. We'll definitely have some guests. That'll be a feature that we try to have every week. This show is kind of going to be more of an introductory episode. We'll talk about us. We'll talk about our new website, Gators Online. And then certainly we're going to get into some spring ball talk. But let's get that out of the way first, Nick, because for anyone that's just tuning in, saw your a uh, photo on Twitter and got all riled up because they thought some black helmets were coming to the football team. Um, no, we are starting a new podcast for Gators Online. I'm Zach Albaverde, Nick Del Torre. We've both been on the beat uh, for about almost 20 years combined, I think. Um, Nick, talk about why we decided to join this new website with On3 and kind of team up with this uh, team that we're building over there. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the biggest thing in all of our minds was uh, the team. Um, you know, this will be my tenth football season coming up, and and it's really kind of you've never had a one website with all of the experienced writers that we have, and and not only um, do we have good professional relationships, but we have friendships. Uh, Corey, sure. Zach, and myself, and then Pat and um, and and corporate Don, <laughs> Pat and corporate Don. Um, so it's a really good team. And I think, you know, Corey and I and you before me were all at Rivals. Um, yep. And uh, it, it was a good team. We both liked working with Corey. And then when the opportunity came up and, and Shannon Terry, who built Rivals, uh, built 247, and now is building another one, you kind of uh, attach your wagon to his and, yes. and, and hope that, you know, he, he had, you know, at least the... Uh, at least the confidence in us that we would be able to, uh, you know, create a product at Gators online. And then that's the other thing is just being able to build a brand new site and build a community. I think that also kind of inspired us and, and got us going. And it's been, I think, inspirational to see fans jump on board with this site. Um, you and Corey launched it the first few weeks without me. It took me a little bit while to join. And uh, I mean, right out of the gate, hit 3,000, 4,000 members. We're over 6,000 now. We've got a promo running for spring ball that you guys can join Gators Online. Right now, you just get four months of premium access for only $10. Uh, you can also do a, a, a week free trial as well. But so much that we put up around the clock on a daily basis from team coverage to recruiting coverage. We're not done either adding to the team as well. Mm -hmm. So we got one more a member that's supposed to be joining us this summer. So uh, I definitely encourage you guys, if you haven't already, to read Nick's baseball coverage, read Corey's recruiting coverage, Nick and I kind of teaming up on all the other team sports. Uh, it's been great so far. It's been nice to have a message board community as well. We have a lot of fun on there, uh, some some wild posts as well. <laughs> so, um, But this is going to be a really fun aspect of Gators Online now that we have this podcast. Uh, we're going to do it here through spring ball and Billy Napier's speaking tour in the afternoons. 
But once we get to the summer and June, we're going to start doing it in the evening. So you guys can come out after you get off work, kind of have a, a time to kind of kick back and hang out with Nick and I and whatever guests that we have coming through for the week. So uh, without further ado, we got to get into some spring ball talk, Nick. Um, really nothing been going on with the quarterback position, kind of no yeah. storylines there. No, not much at all. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because uh, you, you looked at the quarterback position and they signed a guy and they brought in a transfer and you're thinking, well, that room's kind of crowded now. Um, and it, it might be a situation where not crowded. Yeah. Uh, Emory Jones, his on again, off again relationship with the transfer portal. Um, he uh, finally comes out and decides he's going to transfer. Um, and to me, I think that's probably best for both parties involved. Sure. Um, and, and honestly, when it when the news first came out, uh, when Pete Thamel first reported it, and it, back in December before the Gasparilla Bowl, I was thinking, he's been here for a while. Because Emory <laughs> enrolled early, and I'm thinking, he's got to be close to graduating. And And why would you leave if you're a semester or two semesters away from graduating why would you leave and no disrespect to you know let's say a Tulane or an Arizona State I know sure. you're a bunch of Arizona State um coaches started following him why would you spend nine semesters at Florida to leave and get a degree from Arizona State not saying it's a it's a bad degree but you're one semester yeah, away putting all that work. from a degree at a top five public institution and then you're gonna make just a football decision listen you you're going into your fifth year you you can you can read some X's and O's. You'll be fine. You'll pick up a playbook. Yeah. But get that degree from Florida. So I think, um, you know, obviously when he decided to come back and stay, I thought that was weird. Was able to confirm that he'll be graduating in, with a degree in telecommunications after the spring. And I thought up our alley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know if that pays as well as being a professional football player. So no. hopefully uh, that works out for him. Uh, but to me, it just made sense. And and you know he tried out a couple practices. Um, make sure those classes are paid for yep. and get that degree and, and best of luck to him moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's a great point to, to make because if he had decided after the season that, you know what, I want to opt out, mm -hmm. not going to go through off season workouts. don't want to participate in spring ball, but I do want to stay in on campus and stay in classes and, and finish my degree. Well, you have to have said, well, you're not on scholarship anymore. Yeah. Um, so I think for him, uh, I think part of wanted to show a sign of good faith by going through the workouts, but I think in the back of his mind, probably already knew what he was going to do. Um, but it just made sense from a business and if anything, a financial standpoint Absolutely. to, you know, make sure that you're able to get that covered. Um, and I, I think also athletically, you know, you don't want to just completely sit back and take right. all those months off where you're not getting any workouts, any football work in. So being able to go through mock hockey's program kept him in shape allowed him to learn some new things that he can take with him to his next stop. But at the same time, kudos to Emory for however he felt, whatever his reasoning was. Once he knew that this was not going to be for him or he had one foot out the door, he just removed himself from the mm -hmm. situation. And he's been a good teammate his entire time here. And this is just another example of him being a good teammate to just bow out and say, hey, this isn't for me. I'm going to pave the way for these other guys to get reps and kind of get the experience that they need in this new system. And, uh, you know, now he can move on. And like you said, I think it's best for all parties involved. It clears the way for Anthony Richardson. And I think we'll certainly get into him today, Nick, but um, don't hold your breath just yet because it's not like he's just going to get the job handed to him. As you wrote today on Gators online, uh, Jack Miller's going to have something to say about that. 
Yeah, I, listen, Jack didn't come to Florida to sit on the bench. No. That's not his goal, not his intention. Um, Especially I, leaving from where he had a chance to win the job against a Heisman Trophy finalist. So, like, he lost it, but you see who he lost it to mm-hmm. in C.J. Stroud. Um, do I think that Jack Miller will be Florida's starting quarterback when Utah comes to Gainesville? No. Um, do I think it's good that Anthony Richardson isn't just being put on the throne and, and put a, and have a crown put on his head? Yeah, like make make him earn it. Um, yeah. And and if you get to a point where Jack Miller is the starting quarterback, then that means he was better than Anthony. That Billy Napier thought he was better. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but you don't want a situation where Anthony's the only option and yeah. knows he's the only option and and doesn't have to work or feel someone breathing down his back, breathing down his neck. Uh, and, and pushing him. Um, it, it was interesting to see him. He definitely looked a little rusty those first couple of days. Yeah. Um, after the the knee surgery, he wasn't really able to do much, especially throwing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny. Billy Napier said after the first practice, this is the first time I've seen him throw because <laughs> he hasn't been able to do anything. Yeah. Um, so I think the, you know, the rustiness was to be expected um, having, you know, been laid up for a while with a knee injury, um, but he's looked better. Um, I think Miller's looked good. He's been accurate. Um, Threw a really nice touchdown pass to Justin Shorter on Tuesday. Uh, in 7-on-7, seven seven, right? Yes. Um, so I think that's it's something to watch. I, I do think that there's a gap between um, Richardson and Miller, and then I think there's a even bigger gap between those two and the redshirt freshmen. And, and that's another reason why it was important to add him, mm-hmm. and I think why – his, I don't say emergence necessarily, but just the you know the early signs of what he's been able to show mm-hmm. is so important for this position because I I don't think that right now they can count on Carlos Del Rio Wilson or Jalen Kitna at this point, and I don't, and I don't know, think they are. I don't know when that's good, when would ever happen, and I've always been of the sense that you know one or or both of those guys could kind of choose to do what Emory Jones did and and look for somewhere else to play. I mean, these guys at the end of the day came to play for Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that they can't play for Billy Napier or they wouldn't work in his system, but you know, you commit to relationships, especially yeah. at, a, at a quarterback position. And I think even a guy like Jalen Kitna, whose dad is a former NFL player, former NFL coach, and John Kitna, and I think probably you know, really wants to make sure that his son is, is in a good situation, probably particular about the quarterback coach mm-hmm. that he plays for. And obviously had a lot of confidence in sending him to Dan Mullen. Uh, and there's a bit of a connection there because he coached Dak Prescott at, you know, for the Cowboys as the quarterback coach. So he probably vouched for Dan. Well, Dan's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jalen and John really don't have any, um, you know, allegiance to Billy from that standpoint. Plus he's buried on the depth chart. He's got a lot of development and work that he needs to do. So I think knowing Billy and now in hindsight, we're kind of starting to see that. Um, but that there could be even more attrition at that position once spring ball is over. It it looks even better that you have Jack Miller now on board because at the very least, you know now that you have a capable and reliable backup going into 2022. If you didn't have him um, and you're potentially losing some of those guys that are behind AR, you're not feeling great about quarterback heading into the fall. Where is Dan Mullen right now? What vacation? What beach is Dan oh, Mullen on man. right now? Enjoying enjoying the UAA's six million dollars. He's probably doing a TikTok dance. <laughs> you know, he's getting his TikTok on, he's getting his IG on. Mm. Um, you know, speaking of the NFL, I think that's you know, certainly where he's probably gonna end up. I don't think that he will uh be a college coach again, uh, or, or or maybe at the level of, of the SEC. I think that grind and everything that 
um, has been evolving with the sport is really not his cup of tea. Um, you know, maybe being humbled this past year would allow him to go take an OC job, but Nick, they don't want to hear us talk about Dan. <laughs> they want to hear us talk about Billy Napier. You brought him up and I thought, well, I wonder what Dan's doing. Yeah. Drinking something tropical on a beach. Somewhere. I mean, he's, he's definitely living his life, right living now. his best life. But I tell you what, I think Billy Napier is living his best life because this is the opportunity and the job that he's always worked for. Mm. Um, I think a guy that got a taste of big time programs at schools like Alabama, Clemson, always had the goal to be a head coach. He wanted to be a head coach before he was 40. Um, mm. He had that kind of a goal for himself. And now it's here. He's in the SEC. He's at one of the best jobs in the country. He's competing on the recruiting trail against Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Um, and he's got a team that, you know, obviously is coming off of a losing season, but I think returns a lot of pieces that they can build on. And it's going to be interesting to see how his offense evolves, how Patrick Tony's defense evolves. But what do you think about just outside of the quarterback position, just the overall team and talent that he inherits? Um, it's interesting. So I think that Florida is talented. Um, you look. You look at uh, well by like position group. Obviously, I think you have some talent at quarterback. You have a ton of talent at running back, including yeah. Montreal Johnson, who came over from UL um, just as a freshman last year. Almost 900 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. Um, I think you have a lot of talent at cornerback. At at you have some talent at linebacker. A bunch of talent on the defensive line. Um, I think wide receiver is probably the group that I'm looking at right now and thinking that's not up Area to SEC. SEC quality no. caliber right now. When Finley Graham, no disrespect to him, mm -hmm. is literally like the only speedy receiver that you have. Yeah. As someone pointed out on the Gators Online message board, that is recruiting malpractice at the University <laughs> of Florida. Um, that should not be the case. They they got to get some more speed there. They look great physically, big body guys, but yeah. And that's um, that Billy Billy Neighbor talked about it. You know, he said you've got the transfer portal, which is almost becoming like NFL free agency, and you've got the first free agency period before yeah. um, spring and before the winter portal period, the as winter, he calls it, the winter it. portal. Yeah, um, but then you know, as as we're seeing with Emory Jones, and as we're going to see with after spring, there's a bunch of coaching changes. Yes, and like you mentioned with the quarterbacks, a bunch of a bunch of guys on teams that didn't sign up to play for Lincoln Riley at USC, mm -hmm. a bunch of guys that didn't sign up to play for Brian Kelly at LSU, and hey, I'll give it a shot and I'll see what spring practice looks like. But there's going to be a tidal wave again of guys hitting the portal. Yeah. Um, and that includes Florida because Florida is at Florida's over the scholarship limit right now. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to get rid of guys or get guys to transfer just to get down to the 85. And it doesn't sound like Billy Napier is going to Billy Napier is going to be in a buying mood when, when the free agency period, <laughs> yes. the next free agency period comes around. So Florida's going to, I think we're, we, you could potentially see double digit, transfers the double digit transfers would just get them down right now to 80 yeah which and means five you'd be able to get get five guys from the portal and if you see a mass exodus as well don't be alarmed florida fans mm -hmm. like it's not like these guys went through spring ball it's like oh this is terrible yeah <laughs> this is the way it is nope, now. this ain't it scott scott missed this yeah. is a terrible program that's no. not that's not what a, a bunch of guys transferring would mean it would mean like hey this isn't what I came to Florida for. This isn't the offense or the defensive scheme that I came for. And it's also, this is the new age of college athletics where guys can just leave and yeah. don't have to sit out a year. And when a coaching change happens, I'm not going to stick around. I, I don't have to feel as obligated as players did in the past. Yeah, the portal is, is and, and I mean, we had people asking us on the board, you can transfer 
within the SEC and, yeah. and not have to sit out a year, which wasn't the case. Jalen Kimber. You used to have to get, um, you know, a, first off, you used to have to sit out a year just to begin with. And then you couldn't transfer SEC to SEC. They just wouldn't let you do it. Yeah. You have to get a special waiver. And now it's kind of just like, where do you want to go? Sure. Sounds good. First time, you can play right away. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really changing the way college football rosters are being put together. And then, uh, you know, when, when you ask about what do I think about Billy Napier and the talent, I think you, the talent extends past just the team. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a guy in bird Cheryl who, uh, was actually Billy Napier's positional intern at Alabama. Let's go. Then he got a job at, with the Detroit lions as a scout. And now he's handling the transfer portal. Um, so we'll talk to him. The media will talk to him soon. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to pick his brain on how do you do your job? Are you looking at guys and saying, hey, this guy is, we think this guy's really good. He's not getting the playing time there. And are you doing like a, a pre-scout of someone who's not even in the portal yet? Because if you get, if you wait to get until the guy's in the portal, all right, well, yeah. are, are you are you sleeping at night or are you going to then start your evaluation? And, <laughs> and are you the fifth school to contact him? Because other schools might not be doing it, you sure. know, might not be waiting. Um, and, and certainly, you know, if, if it's a Caleb Williams transferring, Hey, everyone knows what Caleb Williams is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Florida attacks the portal. Um, because I think there are some, some areas like running back your set receiver would love to see them add someone there. Slot um, you might need to add some interior line, definitely um, some defensive tackles. You're, you're moving guys around like how's Dewan black going to play at, at inside linebacker, um, we have that piece about the creeper. Are there some outside linebackers yeah. you want to add? I mean, some Brent, other creepers out there. Yeah, in the portal. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting, and I'm, I'm interested to, to pick Bird Cheryl's brain a little bit about um, what their goals are going to be and what their uh, plan of attack is going to be in the transfer portal. And also, they got to determine in spring ball where are the needs. Yeah, like you know, where do we need to address the portal once we figure out who's out there because. There might be some positions that they thought were strengths, and then they get through 15 practices and realize that they're not, or some weaknesses that they thought that were there that maybe we don't need to go in and add another guy from the portal because we feel good about the guys mm -hmm. that we got. So um, my kind of overview of this team, kind of looking offensive and defensively, we'll get into some specifics. I really like the backfield. Um, I really think Anthony Richardson, even being pushed by Jack Miller, is just due for, you know, a, not necessarily a, a breakout year because we still don't know what this offense is going to look like mm -hmm. with him. Um, but but I think really coming to his own, be a full time starter, kind of take this team um, from a leadership role. I think that's going to be good just for the overall you know group. Um, but then specifically seeing him working in the backfield with guys like Demarcus Bowman, um, guys like Lorenzo Lingard. When we get uh, Naquan right back. That'll be another back that they have. Um, but they're still going to use a lot of, you know, run quarterback elements and, you know, mm -hmm. inside reads and, and um, quarterback run option plays, uh, run pass option plays. So he's going to be really dangerous. And I think you bring a guy in the backfield like a Bowman with his explosiveness and elusiveness, that just totally changes kind of what the punch that you're packing there. It's going to be interesting. Like, we we just saw in Dan Mullen's offense, we saw how it could be so different. They were super pass heavy with Kyle Trask yep. and then more quarterback runs last year with Emory Jones leading the team in rushing. I think you're going to see a team with Napier that might be like getting close to 60% running, whether it's yeah. Anthony Richardson running the ball on his own 
Um, they like to run a lot of inside zones and they run a lot of stuff off of that inside zone. So, and think about what we said with the receivers too. Not a lot of speed, mm-hmm. not a lot of, uh, you know, shiftiness or what have you, but some big dudes, some big bodies that can block. So, I mean, you can play to your strengths. I mean, they got plenty of tight ends as well for watching, that. I'm watching the tight ends. I think Nick Elksness is probably blocking more in spring practice than he's ever been asked to block in his life. Probably, you know, but I think for Florida fans, and I, you know, talked to Billy Napier about this um, when he was fortunate to sit down with Gators online. We had a one-on-one and he talked about his offense and and kind of the play calling there. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, they're going to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think that when you look at how their offensive you know roster and, and the makeup of it right now, that that's kind of what it's geared towards. Um, you know, I think that if they had, you know, that that like receiver group that the Gators had in 2019 with Van Jefferson Freddie and all those and freaks, Van, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, you you'd go into the year knowing that they're going to air it out, um, especially with a quarterback like Kyle Trask that you can do that with. So, um, but. I think their identity is is still to be determined. I think defensively, though, um, already I think been a change with uh, Patrick Tony. What he's brought, kind of uh, forward thinking coach, a young coach, schematically a lot different than Todd Grantham. Mm-hmm. Um, not sacrificing as much from a blitz standpoint, um, but also from what we've told Nick, not as many busted coverages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you look at their secondary, speaking to strengths and weaknesses, that should be one of them. Um, still some unproven players in behind the starters, but they should be set in their secondary. And I think that the coverages that Tony's going to call is going to put them in a lot better position. Um, and I think that that could potentially be a strength with Jaden Hill coming back, Jason Marshall, who I think is going to be that dude. Um, clearly in my mind is going to be cornerback one. I think of, you know, if we're going to talk about guys that have stood out so far to this staff in phase one, phase two, and now phase three, Jason Marshall would be in that top five. He's that impressive. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's really, it, it seems like almost every year we get in that situation with Florida um, where it's like, all right, well, we know who's on one side last year. It was like, we know Kyrie Elam's got that CB one lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe in the past when you had like Quincy Wilson, Duke Dawson and Jalen Tabor all uh, all there, you're like, all right, well, that's all three. But I feel like the last couple of years you've had one. It was like CJ Henderson. And then, all right, well, who's on the other side of him? Jason Marshall's got one side locked down. And then on the other side, um, how's Jaden Hill come back? Um, yeah. Avery Helm is Jalen Kimber was a guy who without a shoulder injury might have been the starting cornerback on the national champion Georgia Bulldog team last year. Clearly talented, (laughs) clearly talented. So there's a bunch of guys there. Um, You know, you're not going to have that star position really, you know, and certainly not. I mean, they're going to be in a bunch of nickel and dime sets because that's just the way college football and offense is right now. Um, But it's not that same responsibility that was in Ty Grantham's offense. And it was a difficult role. It was a hard Uh, Who played it well other than Chauncey Garden? No one. No one. So C.D. Deuce, whatever his name is now. (laughs) That's right. Um, I'm interested to see what Trey Dean can do if he could just get a little bit more consistent Mm -hmm. with this play. I mean, look, he led the team in tackles last year, racked up a bunch. You don't love your safety leading in tackles. No. I mean, he showed that he was willing to be physical, but that's not necessarily what you want from your defense is Mm -hmm. him to be leading that charge there. Um, I think you'd like a linebacker to lead in tackles. Well, and then that's really – 
speaking of like concerns, we've addressed the receiver speed. Um, you know, obviously you love where you're at at middle linebacker with one spot because you got Ventro Miller back yeah. for six season. Um, wrote a story on Gators Online about how he's missing some practices this spring, but mm. no concern, folks. It's because it's because he's he's not a team guy. No, not not. Is not, it because I, he doesn't like the new staff? No. What drama is it, Zach? Not not limited in with injury either, Nick. Right. He is putting he is putting school before football. Mm. Uh, trying to get his degree, he's got a scheduling conflict that he can't practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So the Gators only getting him one day a week on Saturdays for practice. Um, but as Billy Napier said. Not the worst thing in the world because... Six-year guy. Yeah. He gets a little bit more time to recover from his injury. It's not hurting him because he's a six-year guy, but they have so much youth at inside linebacker mm-hmm. that needs those reps. Um, but who is going to be that guy uh, next to Ventrell Miller? That's what I'm excited to see. I think that there's one obvious choice in Amari Bernie, mm-hmm. um, who's you know coming back for another year. He's certainly been a starter, but there's some guys there behind him that a little bit more highly recruited coming out of high school were linebackers. He, they, they weren't converted like Amari Bernie. And, you know, I want to see if they can push him, whether it's uh, Derek Wingo, the, you know, Dewan Black, Scooby Williams. Um, I want to see one of those guys emerge at that inside linebacker spot. I think that's going to be key for Florida this spring. Um, and then really, kind of replacing all those defensive tackles and your yeah. stud defensive end and Zach Carter. Um, they got a bunch of bodies. Um, I think Uman Meelan, Dexter, Lee are some of the ones that jump out at you. But just getting that position along from a depth standpoint, and like you said, it might take them going into the spring and getting some guys out of the portal to kind of shore that up. Yeah, I think Zach Carter was such a focus last year for opposing offenses. Um, this year, that gets shifted to Brenton Cox. So you have to find somebody to be to draw that attention away yeah. from Cox because he's going to get the attention of every offense, and he's he'll get chipped by running backs or double teamed with a tight end. Um, and I think Princely's a guy that you look at on the other side who's going to have to step up. Like yeah. Gervin Dexter is a problem. But he's going to be on the inside. Yeah, you he's need somebody get double and triple team. You need somebody on the other side. So then, is it a Jalen Lee that steps up? Um, who I think is the guy that could start next to him. Um, well, we had talked going into spring that potentially it could be De- Des Watson uh, vying for that nose tackle the spot. Large. And then we saw the roster come out and saw that he was at four fifteen and said, "Well, he might not be ready for a starting spot yet." Yeah. Um, uh, although he has, I mean, for as big as he is, man, that guy can move. Yeah, but I always wonder. Everyone's always, everyone always says that about him. Like for as big as he is, like all right, well, what if he got down to three fifty? Oh man, he like scary. Yeah, so I, I just like it's almost like, well, I'm this big and I can move well enough for this size. Like all right, well, what if you lost fifty pounds? And like that's not easy. It's not easy yeah. to lose fifty pounds. But the coaching staff is going to be asking you to lose weight. And what if your athleticism just gets better? At 350. And 350 is not small. You're not a small human at 350, <laughs> 360 pounds. Um, but certainly, like, he was listed at 400 last year. Um, the new roster comes out, and you're up 15 pounds after Dan Mullen and the staff is talking about, like, how how good you've done losing weight. That man, he The new to- staff comes in and is like, listen, French Toast Friday is not for you, my guy. <laughs> Listen, you need to find yourself on a nutrition athlete of the week list yeah. ASAP. <laughs> I, has he has he been on there yet? He's he was not on the, been on there he yet. He's on the scholar athlete then. Because I saw him on one list. 
Okay, well, maybe he was on uh, Nutrition Athlete of the Week, and I hope he was, because if he can get into the right playing weight, he's going to be an absolute monster. You need, you need Corey Collier and Desmond Watson to be with each other when they go through that buffet line and then just switch plates. Yes. And Corey gets whatever Big Des was going to eat, and Big Des gets whatever Corey's portion is, because the weight that Corey needs to gain, we need to take some of that from Des and put it onto him. Well, before we jump to this uh, break, and when we come back on the other side, Nick and I will give you our impressions of this new coaching staff. We'll also get into some basketball talk with the new hire and Todd Golden, and we couldn't let you guys leave this first episode without getting some baseball talk from Nick. But mm-hmm. we're mentioning the defensive line. Let's flip r- over to the offensive line real quick. I think that is also one of the most interesting storylines mm-hmm. this spring. One, because they've upgraded the position with two transfers. But two, because they've probably also upgraded the position with two offensive line coaches. Yeah, that's a really interesting dynamic. And and when Billy Napier came in, his introductory press conference told us, well, I'm the offensive coordinator, head coach, and quarterbacks coach. We're like, that's a lot of hats. Um, (laughs) But he's like, that's going to allow us to have more flexibility on the coaching staff. We're not going to have to have a quarterbacks coach because you can only have a certain number of coaches. So had never really thought of it. I think Florida's maybe done it in the past. Yeah, they had John Hevesy and Hevesy I'm drawing help. blank. I can't who remember who it was, but he needed help. Coach. Oh, uh, Steve Adazio. No. Oh. So so they've had it before. They both needed help. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's so, what they do in the NFL. Yeah, it's interesting because you got to think about it. You've got five starters, which is as many as any other position would have. Um, yeah. you know, maybe you're not really ever going to have, unless you're in Mike Leach's offense, you know, you're not going to have five starting receivers. I mean, look at the secondary. I mean, secondary, you got multiple players, but you got but you corners, a, safeties yeah. and nickels. It's only yeah. three positions. Yeah. I mean, you've got your right guard, your left guard, your center, your right tackle, left tackle. That's a lot so of people was, to watch. So it was interesting because I had never thought of it that way. And Billy's like, you've got five starters, you know, you're going to have anywhere from 13 to 15 guys, um, on the team without on scholarship. Um, why would you have one coach there to do that? And, and now the way that the, the staff is structured, you've got two offensive line coaches, but then each of them have a, like a graduate assistant. And then you've got a bunch of analysts. Like Listen. it's almost like community college at, at the offensive line at Florida. You've got like a one, a two to one student to teacher ratio at this well, point. If you go look at Rob sale, the offensive coordinator, uh, offensive line coaches, uh, profile picture on Twitter, five guys. Yeah. I mean, it's literally five on five. They got five offensive line coaches to work with their five offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of them can't technically work with them. They're strength coaches or analysts or quality control, what have you. Um, but like you said, the player to coach ratio is improved. And it's just crazy to see in practice how many coaches are there with each position. Yeah. Um, I think Osiris Torrance is going to be a huge upgrade at the guard spot. Mm-hmm. We thought maybe that Josh Braun might slide out to tackle. According Not to yeah, but I think that I mean I don't know who else you would really have at tackle. I think well, Braun. I mean, that's, I think I think Braun can do it. I just think right now, and I could be wrong. We you know we're not seeing a ton when we're out of practice. Sure. But I think your best line would probably be Garage, um, White, Egukon, Torrance, and Braun. I think that right now, at least from what five. I've seen, would be yeah. your best five. Yeah. And and that's really the goal. And if you unless like you've got a guy that cannot play tackle, like he literally just can't do yeah. it. Um, but he is one of your best five, but maybe your third best guard, but he can't play tackle, then you're gonna play somebody else. But I think Josh Braun 
can certainly is good enough and has shown that he can play right tackle. Yeah. And, and but it is worth noting though that when Richard Garage missed a game last season, Michael Tarquin started his place. Yeah. And then when uh Gene DeLance missed a game as well, Tarquin started in his yeah. place at right tackle. So he you know, theoretically is the guy that's next in line unless they do move Braun out there to give him some competition. So, and I'm sure that that's something that they're working on this spring, but I do think that Torrance being added to that group that was already, you know, bringing back pretty much everybody, um, you know, you feel really good about that offensive line and for them to be able to establish a line of scrimmage, be a, you know, run dominant team, that group is going to have to take that next step. And I think having Rob Sale, Darnell Stapleton, a former Super Bowl champion, mm-hmm. coaching them. I think that's going to certainly help make that a, a possibility. So we're going to jump to this first break. When we come back on the other side, speaking of the coaches, we're going to just give our overall take on this staff, our first impressions on getting to meet and interview some of these coaches and staffers, and then we'll get into some baseball and basketball talk right here on the Gators Online Podcast. Hi, Steve Spurrier here. You know, making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a Saturday afternoon homecoming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Looking for more reasons to celebrate? We have them here at Celebration Point. Enjoy some of the newest additions to our already celebratory lineup, like Dave & Buster's, Les Macarons, and Prime and & Pearl. There's always a reason to celebrate. Join us anytime for any occasion. Celebration Point, where Gators come to celebrate. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Podcast with Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre. We're going to get into some staff talk now with mm-hmm. Billy Napier and his coaches, um, as we mentioned in the first segment, you know, I've had an ch- opportunity to kind of meet uh, and interview some of these guys. Obviously, we've had some time to visit with Billy on a number of occasions. Um, had an opportunity as well to sit down with him for a one-on-one interview. Early. Yeah. He got you up out of bed early. 7 a.m. had to be in his office for that one-on-one. So um, Structured. Yeah. Adding I, some structure to young Zach Alvaverde's life. He put me in the same boat as his <laughs> players. And let me tell you, Nick, I was not late for that. <laughs> no. no. Um, I might be late for other things, but I was yeah. not late for a one-on-one with Billy Napier. Um, and I appreciated him taking out the time. If you guys haven't checked out that four-part series, uh, go to Gators Online and do it. We put the story up for free so you guys could get to know him. Uh, is kind of a profile on just what he kind of what makes him tick, um, what's brought him to this point and kind of his plan to turn this Florida football program around. And um, it's just been, you know, interesting getting to know him, kind of see how he operates, Nick. Um, I think, you know, I'm sure you've had some early impressions as, as well that have stood out to you. I, I think the one thing for me is just that the guy's all business. Um, mm-hmm. he's got a great personality. He's a player's coach. Um, you know, he's personable in the sense that you can sit and have a normal conversation with him, but man, he is all business. He came in with a plan. He's putting that plan in motion and they've executed it pretty fa- flawlessly so far. Yeah. Uh, I, I joked with him. I think the first, the second time we talked to him, which I think was after early signing day, um, it was kind of like, have you slept? Um, he was like, I got about four hours last night. Um, but it, it's, it's probably, I don't know that you and I are organized enough to be a coach that gets hired in December 
it, with the early signing period now, like there was no time for them to do anything. None. It's like you're trying to assess what the other coaches had accepted in terms of commitments. Yeah. Do we want to keep those? And clearly they didn't keep a bunch of those guys. No. Um, pulled some rabbits out of hats, getting like Kamari Wilson and, and getting Shamar some of the, James. Gosh. Keeping Shamar James. Probably shout out to C Rob on that one. Keeping keeping Shamar and Tony, well, Tony well, told no, you. Remember, C. Rob told him not to come, right? Oh, that's that's yeah. It depends on what message board you're on or what Twitter street you're on. Um, but also trying to establish a staff, get to, get to know the players on the roster because you need to know what you have on the roster yeah. when you're going out and recruiting. Um, so Watching film <laughs> a lot. Of, the plane has Wi-Fi, I'm guessing, because because yes. you're, you're cutting up film and watching it on an iPad while you're on a plane. Um, but yeah, really good job of of closing in um, on that early signing class, getting in the kind of organizational structure. And I still have not been able to. I know if you're on the message board, we, we wanted to do like an organizational flow chart. Um, still in the works. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, because there's a lot of people. Yeah, well, he's not done hiring folks. No, there's a lot of people. I mean, they just had another um, hire announced the other day, last yeah. week. So the dietitian. Des Des Watson's personal dietitian. Yes. I think that, that might be the actual description. This she's just going to follow Des around. That's it. I did. I did think that it was interesting how, and I you know wrote about this in the in the series, uh, just how he went about announcing his staff. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? He knows the news cycle. Would you agree though that that was the most publicized staff announcements in college football history history <laughs> i mean there is nobody that announced their staff like that no. i mean had a graphic made for every single to a day. person um but also like had their own moment to be recognized mm. for their role and what they do i thought that was cool um it wasn't just to generate hype and send a message it was also like yo i care about these people i value what they do and i want to give them their moment some interesting um, titles some very interesting titles. I know you agree with the game changer. I mean, you've, I mean, yeah, those are game changers. Thank you. <laughs> you saw that and you were like, been waiting on this. Uh, this, this coach gets it. <laughs> yes. This. Billy Napier gets it. Punters game changers. Yes. Um, and then, I mean, just seeing the people that he's brought in, like you mentioned the structure, but, but also how that's affected the players. I mm -hmm. think that one of the reasons he told me why they announced 50 hires was he said, we wanted to send a message. We wanted to send a message to fans. We wanted to send a message to recruits and their families, but we also wanted to send a message first and foremost to the players because we felt like their player experience needed to improve, and that's why we're assembling this army. And we've seen already the immediate impacts that have been made from parking on campus, mm -hmm. getting three meals a day, um, getting bus to practice, Ooh. Shout out to Mahmoud Diabate. Yes. Mahmoud had to had to create some Listen, waves he, so that these he, boys could eat. He walked so they could fly. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Mahmoud. We'll see you uh in September back in the swamp. Yeah. I mean, it was maybe they'll have a plate. The man for him. left in like the day after he decided to transfer. Uh -huh. They had this huge buffet dinner. I was That's like, wild. bro, you terrible timing terrible on your timing. Should have should have waited on that portal announcement for like 48 more hours, bro. But I mean, when you're trying to come in and win a team over and gain their trust and forge that relationship, what better way to do it than showing them that you care like that? And, and I think what's interesting is that Naquan Wright said he's 
he's strict and there's a lot of structure and, but he's also a player's coach. And I'm like, well, I don't, I never had a strict teacher or a strict coach. Who was like my homie. Who I was like, yeah, I like them. I'm like, yo, this is way too much that you're having us do. This homework is out of control. I'm like, we are running more. I'm to my baseball coach in high school. I'm like, we're running more than the track team. We're playing baseball. We run 90 feet and then we take a break. Like we don't need to be doing all this running. So like I, I never associated strict with players coach. Um, but then Naquan's like, no, it's structured. And some of us need that. It's like, and then he broke down practice by saying no cap. And like, then like, there's <laughs> just like little things that he does. And, and I think, you know, the parking and listen, I don't, that seemed like a very easy fix. Like that lot in, at the North side of the field, the it's, just, it's, it's always there. Like it's not, there's just nothing ever there. Um, that's an easy fix. Like, but nobody listen, thought, you know what? I'm going to get a parking attendant. We're going to pay him to stand there all day. So mm -hmm. our players can park. I mean, just that extra step. That's probably not getting paid much to do that. 15 it's bucks not. an hour, eight hours a day. Yeah. People need work out here, Nick, though. I mean, yeah. if it's a job, you get to interact with football players all hey, day. Yeah. Um, that That's such an easy fix. And like, listen, the, the UF taps, the, the parking ferries, they don't play games. They <laughs> will find you. They found me. They found, they found, I've, I've had to take a number of boots off my car. So people were like, why is UF picking on, on athletes? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they are indiscriminatory taps. They will find you if you've parked on campus and, and the sun has faded your parking decal. So it doesn't look like the right real, shade of orange and you're quick, parked there. Since we're at Spurs Gridiron Grill, mm -hmm. got to give a quick Spurrier story. Okay. I'll pivot real quick. When, you, me, this might take the, la the last 20 minutes we have. Sh shortly after he became the ambassador and was making his rounds, he came for a radio appearance. Mm -hmm. And in Weimar Hall, there's like a lot underneath, that, underneath, underneath lot yeah. that you can go park in, but you got to have a pass to park there. A special pass, actually, to park there. Of course, Spurrier, for his radio show, goes and parks at this underneath lot, gets out of his car to go up and do his show, and so that he wouldn't get a ticket, he left a note on his dashboard, said, Scott Strickland said I could park here. <laughs> Did it work? Of course it worked. Uh, it's Steve Spurrier. I, I I would just say head ball coach. The man wrote Scott Strickland said I can park here. Could you imagine being the attendant that wrote Steve Spurrier a ticket? And just like when Steve Spurrier come, goes over to like the office being like, hey, Dave, you, you wrote Steve. You wrote Steve Spurrier a ticket. You probably shouldn't do that, bro. Uh -huh. Scott said that he was good to go anywhere. Scott, Scott said I'm good to park here. Um, before we get into Scott's new hire, his latest hire, Sat Three. That's <laughs> wild. I, I I put no research into this, but when was the last time an AD hired a men's and women's basketball coach and a new football coach in a four month window? In a four month window, probably never happened. Um, he's been a busy man. I was watching the the basketball press conference. And I'm like. Scott's probably getting tired of doing this. <laughs> like, I've seen Scott Strickland doing these introductory press conferences a little too much. He's ready for a vacation. Um, out of all the football staff members that we've gotten to meet, that you've gotten to see, interview, are there who are some of the ones that stand out to you the most? And not to say that these are the best or whatever, but who are just some of the ones that you feel like have been the biggest hires for Billy or have made some of the most immediate impact? Um, I think the obviously Katie and Katie Turner and Bree Wade. Yeah. Um, I think that dynamic duo because of the, you wrote a great story on, but on listen, Katie. Don't call them MJ and Pippen. They like to be Kobe and Shaq, Kobe and Shaq. Um, 
I think they make the biggest impact right now because you're seeing this, uh, the recruiting period and all the on-campus visits. And, and I asked Billy super early on, I was like, Hey, you're about to have all these official visits before um, signing day. And he's like, yeah, that like handed the keys to the official visit over to those two ladies. Yeah. And um, I think Katie Turner had a big hand in the official visit at Georgia that helped them land some of the best signing classes, yeah. you know, that, that we've seen in a while. So I think them, and then I think you'll get into probably the analytic guys and, and someone like a Jacob LaFrance and someone yeah. like a Bird Cheryl, because now you're going to be talking about LaFrance's handling, recruiting, um, recruiting and, and, and scouting players, re recruiting and the scouting of, and Hey, here are guys that need to be on our radar. Um, and then Bird, obviously doing that, the evaluation standpoint from the, the transfer portal. Um, so I think those people right there, but obviously then, we mentioned it with the offensive line. You have two offensive line coaches, but every coach has a graduate assistant or an analyst. Mm -hmm. And just being able to have that many people, um, and Billy Neighbor calls it quality of life. I just think when you get into a meeting room, you're you've got ten coaches to fifteen offensive linemen. Yeah, like that. That what does that do? How much does that help you? And and not having to have a one offensive line coach handle fifteen different evaluations and breaking that down, you're getting individualized attention. Um, and, and a bunch of different sets of eyes and opinions on practice. And I think yeah. that's beneficial. You know, it's interesting with his staff, the, the 10 assistant coaches, everybody on the offensive side has worked with him, mm -hmm. and only one guy on the defensive side has worked with him. So I think that obviously he was, you know, he could rely on some of those Alabama and Louisiana connections to assemble his staff. I think he's got some really big pieces from those connections. I do think Rob Sale, though, um, <laughs> Coming from the NFL, he said he had some suitors um, mm -hmm. and other people that were trying to bring him back to college. So he did choose to come to Florida over some other opportunities. I'm sure that's what he was always going to do, but I think that it was critical for Billy Napier to have Rob Sale on his staff. Just like, I mean, that relationship and that working relationship and how they kind of work together as offensive coordinator and play mm -hmm. caller is kind of set up the same way it was with Dan Mullen and John Hevesy. So when you have a guy that's I mean, that's that you're not going to make people feel feel warm and fuzzy well, inside hey, with that comparison there. Hey, I mean I'm just talking about the working dynamic. Now the results are going to be what the results are going to yeah. be. Um, you know whether they put a good product on the field that remains to be seen. You know they Dan and John they've put good products on the field. So let's not pretend like they they haven't had some good offenses. But I think that that was just for Billy to come here in the SEC, his biggest job yet, his biggest opportunity mm -hmm. yet, to have the guy that was with him at Alabama, came with him to Arizona State to be his offensive line coach when he got that OC opportunity, and then uh, ghost him uh, with Louisiana. And then he, you know, I mean, if if that staff change doesn't happen in, you know, the Giants, maybe he's staying in the NFL. Um, but then I think, as the point that I mentioned, getting guys on the defensive side that he didn't really have prior relationships or connections uh, with. So how are you going to fill out that staff? How are you going to make those hires? And man, he got some home run hires with some of those. Mm -hmm. Obviously getting Mike Peterson, a Gator great to come in and coach your outside linebackers for, for that group to go from Todd Grantham coaching them, yeah. no disrespect to Todd, but to Mike Peterson, a younger former player, much you know, closer to them in age so that he can relate to them. And I think that they've taken to his coaching really well. And then to get a steal in Corey Raymond from LSU, Coach Chaos and all the energy that he's bringing on the defensive line. And then uh, Jay Bateman, uh, uh, Broyles Award finalist. I mean, just some 
talent there to go along with Patrick Tony. Um, so I think from that standpoint, that's why 24-7 Sports graded him as an A-plus for the best staff that was put together this offseason amongst the new ones. So um, kudos to Billy. You know, these guys haven't coached a game yet. So it's at, at, at sitting in Spurriers. We're, we're in talking season. Yeah. Talking we're, season, we're in baby. talking season. So um, obviously, listen, you, you on gonna, paper, it looks good, on though. Paper and paper on paper. It looks good. You got uh, the Pac-12 champion coming into town week one. Um, we'll see how long the honeymoon lasts. Um, well, but, speaking of honeymoons, uh, Todd Golden, he's on his right now. Mm-hmm. Um Gator fans got their wish. No more Mike White in Gainesville. But uh, before uh, he could get said, fired or mutually part ways, mm-hmm. he bolted on you guys. Uh, said, "I'm." I mean, <laughs> Georgia's not a good basketball. No, it is a, last, last time I said this it was about USF, down. and then USF beat Florida in a baseball game. Um, and and USF fans, there are USF fans. I mean, when I Dan Mullen said Jeff Collins made a lateral move. This is way worse than that. It's not lateral. <laughs> this is nothing lateral about this move. This this move tells you that Mike White wanted out. Like there were other jobs. There's other. I mean, like Maryland's open. Like there's other jobs, basketball jobs that are open that aren't uh, a, a program like Georgia, who isn't good, hasn't been good, and I don't think the fans really care if they are good or not. Yeah, I, I think you know, looking at this hire, obviously, um, you know, a change. I think had to be made. It was time for a fresh start. I, I think looking at Mike's reason for leaving, though, reportedly because the fan pressure and how it was affecting his family had just gotten too much, I think it was really key for Todd Golden in his last question that he got in his introductory press conference to give the answer that he did, which was that fan expectations are not too high here and that that's not something that uh, concerned me that it ran Mike away. Now, obviously, that's what he was supposed to say, mm-hmm. but the way he said it, um, he gave a great answer there. Um, All right, bro. We'll see. You know, we'll I see. mean, yeah. M- oh, Missed the tournament. Missed the tournament. Oh, a couple well, times. listen, listen. Finished he, fourth. Finished fourth in the SEC. He's been. He's been in the SEC. Um, you know, I, I think that he knows what he's signing up for. Um, but I, I, I just like how he kind of took that on mm-hmm. um, and wasn't maybe intimidated or, or maybe feeling like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't take this job. Maybe I should go somewhere where I'm not going to face that type of fan pressure. He wants it, embrace it, not afraid of it, despite being 36 and a young coach. So, you know, that s- says something about his confidence in himself and what he thinks the job that he can do here. But very analytical guy um, was interested to kind of hear that background. And, you know, Scott Strickland talked to Billy Donovan and, um, the head coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder as well, who was an assistant for Billy mm-hmm. at UF. And he was like, yo, in the NBA, everything is analytics and data-driven. Everything. He's like, I'm surprised that it's not, you know, in college. Mm-hmm. And the way Scott's looking as, at it is, that's the direction that the game is going to go. Mm-hmm. And by hiring Todd, we've already got somebody that's on the cutting edge of that, that already has that. So we're going to be ahead of the curve there. Um, and And being a guy that, coach under Bruce Pearl. He knows how to recruit. He knows how to build a program and kind of galvanize a fan base. And he's been in the SEC. So he checks a lot of the boxes. He's not a, you know, home run hire or a splash hire that fans wanted, but they weren't going to get that in this no, cycle. No, I think if you, if, if Scott Strickland had made the move a year earlier, um, a guy like Porter Mosier, who then goes to Oklahoma, um, would have been a splash hire. That was a huge name, yep. obviously coming from Loyola um, and the success that, he and sister Jean had had in the tournament. Um, and Scott talked to several candidates. He said yesterday, this was not, this was not a Billy Napier coaching search where he zeroed in on one guy. Mm. He was open about the fact that they had several conversations and they felt like 
Todd was the best guy. Um, yeah, and, and this one was also different. So, like, I felt, I felt like with Billy Napier that you had the boosters weren't involved and, and that was an issue with Billy Napier and, and Auburn. And it was like, kind of like, Hey, you don't get an opportunity to hire three football coaches in the no. SEC as an AD. So Scott, go ahead. Yeah. This is going to be your hire. And, and that wasn't the case with basketball. It seemed like he had a, not a search firm, but a search committee of people that he trusted and he all did. had some input. Whereas football was kind of like, Scott, doesn't matter who you hire here, because if he doesn't win games, you're gone with him. So, <laughs> so they kind of just let him have it, um, and and there was more of a, a team effort. With it is basketball. So we'll see. Obviously, uh, lots to be determined with that change there. Real quick before we get out of here, um, just your minute synopsis on Florida Gators baseball so far and what you've seen this season. Yeah, Florida, um, big big uh, big SEC weekend road win over Alabama ended on a sour note because you lose the Sunday game when you had a lead in the bottom of the ninth. Um, but Florida comes back. Weird game Tuesday. Uh, one hit allowed, yeah. but then it, the winning the tying runs on, on third base. Florida wins three to two. Judd Fabian is crushes it. Is is attacking the Florida record books, climbing the ranks with home runs, and then Florida. Huge week coming up. LSU three-game series at Florida Ballpark. They'll mm-hmm. play next week, Tuesday, in Jacksonville against uh, uh, against FSU. And then up to Mike White's team <laughs> the following weekend, they'll play Georgia. Um, but big weekend series, um, SEC home opener against LSU, a little 2017 College World Series rematch. And this is the first time they've played since 2019. Yeah. Florida and COVID. LSU. Well, Best time of the year, Nick. Spring football and baseball. Very busy. And we get to talk about it on the Gators Online podcast. We have officially launched. Um, it's exciting to be doing this with Nick Del Toro. This is something we've been looking forward to doing mm-hmm. for weeks. And I think we even talked about it even before that. So we've had a taste of uh, doing a show together on the tailgate on ESPN Gainesville. But now we're going to be joining you guys each and every Thursday live from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. We'll be back next Thursday for another episode. We'll have a guest as well. So stay tuned for that. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albaverde.